Here's something that I think uh, everybody listening to this show probably shares. We want to experience consistent success. Nobody wants to be a one-hit wonder, but I'd say that our current behavior suggests otherwise. A lot of times, whether it's because we're on a certain team, work for a certain boss or client, or maybe it's just we fall victim to the culture of our business world more broadly, whatever the case, I think a lot of times we act like the goal is to create short-term spikes in our numbers. There's a darker side and a lighter side to the same coin. The darker side I call shortcut culture. It's this belief that we have to find the secret, the cheat, the hack, and all these other magical tactics to generate greater results faster and with less effort. Shortcut culture has become ubiquitous in the business world. The lighter side still comes with its fair share of problems. I call that side of the coin random acts of creativity. It's this belief that creativity is the process of generating one-off big ideas or building clever stunts. In either case, something is missing. Consistency. And that's what we want. We want consistent success. Nobody wants to be a one-hit wonder. But when that's our goal, we face a really troubling paradox that makes this goal seem impossible if you actually lay out the logic behind what we're trying to do. So of course, that's what we're going to do today. It's foolish, it's crazy, it might be impossible. It's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking at work and the people who dare to question it. I'm Jay Akunzo. Today, we're doing another audio version of my newsletter, Damn the Best Practices. Based on your feedback, I'm doing one of these about once a month. And today, I'm also bringing in a, a very special second voice to help me with this. Here we go. There's a hotel in downtown Boston that, like almost every hotel in every city, has a valet service for your car. You pull up, you leave the keys, and then you take your ticket. But on this particular ticket is a number, and this number uniquely identifies your car to the man at the valet desk. Imagine it's later in the day, and you feel like taking a drive over the river, away from Boston into Cambridge. Maybe you want to walk around the campuses of MIT and Harvard, or hang out and get some work done at a local coffee shop, of which there are dozens. I think they have like a, an exposed brick surplus in Cambridge. Anyway, whatever your plans, you decide to drive. Not necessarily the best move, considering Boston's roads make absolutely no sense, but hey, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Back in your hotel room, you grab your ticket and scan the words printed just below your ID number. It says, call us with the number above and your car will be ready in 30 minutes. And so you call the front desk about a half hour before you need the car. You expect them to say, thanks, the car will be ready in 30 minutes. But then the man at the valet desk answers. 34891? Okay, got it. Car will be up in 10 minutes. It feels like a gift. You were thinking 30, and they said 10. So you quickly grab your coat and head down to the lobby where, to your surprise, your car is already idling by the front door. You glance at your watch. It's been five minutes. The next day, you again decide to take out your car from the valet service. This time, maybe you'll head down to Boston's South End. If you ever do, by the way, be sure to eat at SRV. Not only is it one of the best restaurants in all of Boston and my personal favorite, but the executive chef of SRV is coming on Unthinkable later this year. We're going to tell his story. But before we get there, just try to get to Boston and try to eat at SRV. So to start your trip to the South End, you once again pick up your valet ticket in your room a full 30 minutes ahead of time. After all, that's their policy. 
that's what's written on the ticket. Although this time, you don't expect that's what will happen. The man at the valet desk once again answers, and this time, you think you know what he's about to say. Okay, so 34891, great, car will be up in 10 minutes. You smile to yourself. You know exactly what's about to happen. Their policy is 30, they tell you 10, and then they deliver the car in 5. That's what you expect will happen. So you quickly grab your coat and head down to the lobby once again. But the car isn't there. Oh. You glance at your watch. It's been five minutes, just like last time. Still no car. Okay, maybe this time it'll take six or seven. You look at your phone. Two more minutes pass. Still no car. You look at your phone again. You gaze through the revolving door. And then you start to feel this burning sensation in your belly. You're kind of pissed off for reasons that you recognize as completely irrational. Finally, after 10 whole minutes, the car arrives. You know you shouldn't be, but you're annoyed. After all, their policy is 30 minutes, and they told you 10, then delivered the car in 10. That should feel so refreshing, but thanks to yesterday, it feels frustrating. And this is the compounding problem of exceeding someone's expectations. As soon as you do, you've changed their expectations. Every experience we have comes with a set of expectations. The expectations we set for ourselves, the expectations we set for others, the expectations others set for us. And the problem is, if we exceed them even once, then that becomes the new bar we have to get over the next time. What was once exceptional no longer is. And I wanted to make sense of this paradox in this episode today. So I called up unthinkable producer Tally Gabriel uh, and, and I asked her point blank, has she ever experienced anything like this? Oh, totally. Kind of all the time. As soon as you started bringing up the valet example, I was like, oh, yeah, I used to work at a restaurant. And as a hostess, I would feel that all of the time. You'd give you tell people 20 minutes until their table's ready. The table's ready in five minutes and then they come back tomorrow or next week. And they're so mad at you when you give them an accurate time. Or as a writer and a producer, sometimes I catch this in myself when I'm delivering on a deadline. I'm almost a little bit too conscious of not turning something in early because I'm worried that people I work for, although I don't think you would do this, Jay, but I'm worried that some people would start to think of me as the person who always gets stuff in a day early and then deadlines would get pushed forward and forward and forward. So now I know why you were so excited to talk about this topic. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, don't get used to this. No, but I think... um, yeah, anytime you get something, even think about getting a package in the mail. You get it delivered a day before the tracking number says it's supposed to come, and now, you know, you're forever mad at USPS when you get things on time. Right. It's not It's not enough to, to meet the letter of the law. If you have a corporate policy, the writing on the back of that valet services ticket said 30 minutes, it's not enough to, to just meet that every time if you start to exceed it. And so it's sort of like, do you just not try to exceed expectations? So that's that's what's happening on the surface level. When you exceed expectations, you push the bar higher in someone else's mind or even in your own. But I also think that this gets gets worse because I don't think that's a process that we can actually control. So for example, if it's your own expectations of a situation or yourself, it's kind of like, yes, I know that this time I might not have as much success as last time, but you just can't help that thought from creeping in, right? You just believe that whatever happened last time will happen again, even if you can logically admit to yourself, oh, that was an outlier. Totally. And I think there's something 
if you are striving to exceed someone's expectations, there's something so exciting and gratifying in doing that, that you, you want to do that. You want to, if you think about any job, the way you get promoted is usually by exceeding your employer's expectations, right? And so it's something we're kind of trained to want to do. Right. I, I get this all the time. I'll put out an episode and I'll be like, that felt amazing. And then the next time it's a fundamentally different experience. And it, it just, it, it's almost like I'm setting myself up to to disappoint myself because last week's was so good. And I'm now I'm like, well, now I have to beat last week's. And I think we get that with an emotional response we have to our work. I think we also get into this, we fall into this trap of the results we're looking at. Like today has to beat yesterday. But reality is far more zigzaggy, I think. So I think this this process affects us and how we feel about the work. We, we just can't help but think, because I had so much success last time, that that will happen again or even better this time. So, so it affects the person creating the work or the team creating the work. And I also think it affects the the recipient of your work. So for example, the valet service probably can admit that, yeah, this time they may not be able to deliver the car in five minutes. So they're going to aim for 10 because that's well below the policy of 30. Except in this one instance, you can't help but believe, oh, it's going to arrive in five thanks to last time it, it did. So I think it's it's necessary, but it's far from sufficient to exceed expectations once. You know, you have to do that consistently, as you said, Tally. But the problem is, expectations, like quote-unquote expectations, are moving target. And and so the bar can get ever higher. Oh, definitely. I mean, thinking about this with, with unthinkable episodes, for example, say you put out one that's just somehow all of the stars align, everything matches up. It's so exciting for you to record. The interview is incredible. The story is just amazing. And you get an amazing response from your listeners. And then, like, say... I don't know, say you felt twice as good about that episode somehow than you had the one before. Now you want to feel twice as good again about the next one and so on and so on and so on. And that exponential success growth is just totally unreasonable. It's a great it's a great thing to think about. How can we continually exceed expectations without pushing the bar so high and so beyond what we can actually do, what we're actually capable of? So the question is like, are we doomed to create an ever higher bar that we can't get over? And I think, no, of course not. You know, and then, and then the pushback might be like, okay, but doesn't the valet now need to keep delivering the car ever faster throughout your stay until it's almost like instant? And I'd also say, no, of course not. I think there is something that's well within our control that does actually allow us to keep exceeding expectations. I think we can master the art of reinvention. And by reinvention... Well, Tally, I'd ask you, when I say somebody has reinvented themselves, what, what comes to mind? Describe what you're picturing. I'm, so the first thing that comes to mind, you're going to make fun of me for this, is the Jonas Brothers just <laughs> released a new oh. song. I know, I'm so sorry. And we can <laughs> circle back to some more examples too. But I just thought of this as, okay, so it doesn't have to be the Jonas Brothers. This is just a... No, take me down the Jonas Brothers route. Let's. I'm not letting you off the hook. You're not going to say Jonas Brothers and then be like, nah, just kidding. I can't do that because it's, it's where your brain went instantly. Okay. So now you get, we're here now. Because now we're here. Oh man, yeah. So I don't know how long it's been, but the Jonas Brothers just released their first song in in years and it's a totally different look the song i mean it still has that boy band thing that they do but it's you know this they're all adults and they're married and they reference that in their in their music and the sound is more contemporary it's the aesthetics of the music video it's like filmed in this old 
it looks like a French manor house or something. It's super lavish and very grand. It looks like it came out of the Marie Antoinette movie or something. And it's it's beautiful and it is so different from anything you would have associated with the Jonas Brothers. What percent changed? Mm. Um, I'd say, I mean, probably at least 50%. So it's a large change, right? Yeah. And I think when we when I talk about mastering the art of reinvention, I actually think we're not talking about giant pivots. We're not talking about overhauls or stunts or shortcuts or random acts of creativity. I think reinvention can be a process of consistent discovery designed to produce ever more refreshing things. So the path by which we can exceed expectations is reinvention. It's not moving the bar ever higher and then leaping over it, which eventually gets impossible. Right. It's constantly changing the rules of the game entirely by introducing new and subtle and and refreshed versions of the past experience. In other words, you're kind of looking holistically at what people experience. You know, in the valet service, in that example, what if instead of needing to deliver that car ever faster, they merely need to create an ever-changing but continually delightful experience? Like, wouldn't that exceed expectations? Like, there's other things they can control besides how fast they deliver the car, right? Yeah, I think reinvention sounds like it has to be this huge concept, like this huge undertaking but hopefully starts to become more tangible for people to understand that reinventions can be these small things. Right. So in the case of the valet service, maybe we can come up with ways that this valet service could reinvent itself. So let's say the first time is already established. The first time you call down... Actually, no, let's let's rip apart what happened in the example I gave before. So the first time you call down, I think it was actually enough to merely tell you on the phone, like verbally let you know that what was written on the card is actually worse than what you're going to experience. Like, I think it was enough for the person at the desk to be like, hey, the car will be ready in 10 minutes. And then to have them actually deliver it in 10 minutes. I feel like that feeling like, wow, this is so refreshing. This is so great. Would have carried between the moment you hang up the phone and the moment you get your car. Right. Right. It's still, it's still exceeding expectations. But then the next time when you expect it to be spoken as 10 minutes you expect it to be delivered as 10 minutes even though the state policy is 30 maybe then they can cut it down to five where where do you go from there though right like within where do you go right because then is it is it four three two one zero like is the destiny of this service instant cars (laughs) yeah you just idle all cars outside the hotel at all times like that's unsustainable and crazy forever yeah yeah i mean well what if right there are other things what if if the car does take the time it's supposed to take or if it takes even 10 to 15 minutes what if they have like i don't know coffee or cucumber water down there near the valet station so if you have to wait your experience is a little bit nicer right so you can say like it's still ready in 10 minutes but those 10 minutes got better they got more enjoyable right yes and then the next time you're now expecting 10 minutes and a 10 minutes that will be more enjoyable right so it'll be like this is still a transaction. It's a 10-minute transaction. Uh, part of this transaction is they give me coffee or water. Um, but now maybe they go from transaction to relationship. Like, it's another vector they can change. It's like, thanks so much for your patience, Tally, right? The car will be out in 10 minutes. And, like, it's what you expect in terms of the delivery time, but you didn't expect them to say your name. Like, it's and, and that, by the way, that's not a hard thing for hotels to do, considering they know which room you're calling from, who's in that room, and also the unique identifier on your car that you called with. So I think like that's a tiny little reinvention of the experience that makes it better. It's not we're getting you closer and closer to zero minutes of waiting time. It's we're making the time that we can actually deliver it in more enjoyable. 
you know, and, and this keeps going like there's different little things that you can change. And so I think the moral here is that consistently exceeding expectations can feel impossible if we fall victim to the classic business idea of like find the thing that works and just keep doing that and just keep refining that. You know, the, the logical conclusion of that is the valet has to have your car ready instantly already running and warm. Right. Which is at some point just impossible. Right. But I think like if you embrace instead that consistently great work consistently changes, we could stop focusing on a sliding scale of of competency and start focusing on this really wide array of different ways to reinvent the work. And next time we're going to have an episode, a full on story that Tally and I worked on together about somebody who did exactly that. So when you focus not on a sliding scale of competency, but on a wide array of ways to reinvent the work, it can get chaotic and complex because it's like now you open up a wide range of possibilities that could derail you. This guy has created an experience and a project that it's super tiny and compact, but he's still found tons of ways to reinvent it. And the other thing is it it leads us to this concept that we'll introduce to help us compartmentalize what we will keep the same and what we will reinvent. And I think the punchline here is that the goal is never to find the one thing that works, then keep refining it. The goal is to improve the experience overall. And that goes well beyond a single tactic or strategy that requires consistent reinvention. Everyone is capable of changing the experience in small ways for the better. Everyone is capable of reinvention. Big thanks to Tally Gabriel. Tally's going to be back in the next episode where she helped me write the episode, produce it, and is appearing in a small little vignette, a little moment inside of that episode. That story is going to be one of my all-time favorite episodes, not only because of Tally's contribution, but also because we're talking to, well, we're talking to a guy that we'll reveal next time that uh, I just, I can't get enough of this guy's work, but more to come in the next episode. If you're not on my weekly newsletter, you're missing out on some of the stories and ideas that I'm sharing all year long. I also announce things and give away things exclusive to that newsletter. So if you're interested, check the show notes for a link to subscribe. But in the meantime, no matter what you're creating, trust your intuition. Bye-bye.